Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombus, we've always said our socks, underwear, and t shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombus. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. You are listening to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast that aims to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute and a wide array of F1 subject matter experts that cover every aspect of F1 from racing to politics, tech, news and business. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. I have a small bit of missed Apex admin, but not much. Race review is next Sunday, 8pm. That's our next show. And the karting is, unfortunately, for anyone not signed up, but fortunately for me, full. It's completely booked up. But please feel free to join the reserve list, spannersready at gmail.com. Uh, let me know. Uh, you are welcome to come along and watch the live podcast that we are doing before the karting, so you can get details of that as well. But do make sure you email me, and then I'll have your details. Or, or of course, join our Patreon. Uh, the patrons got the dates first, and then the people that have either been to previous events or have contacted me via email uh, got told uh, immediately, actually just before the podcast. And this time, we filled nearly all the seats just by doing that. And we filled, we filled all the seats, 58 places, plus reserves by noon. So these events are getting very popular. I'm definitely going to do more of them. Thank you for everybody who's got in touch. This week, I'm joined by Paddock Talisman, Joe, hands off, stone, sayward. How's it going, Joe? Joyous, yes. Oh, come on. This is a big week for you. Surely you're back on the European leg of the F1 circus. You're back on terra firma, home time now, at least for a few months. Yeah, I'm I'm uh, on home time and I'm driving off to Spain, which will be nice because I like driving to the races. I don't like airports that much, so yes, that'll be jolly fun. And what do you what do you drive in? Give us a clue, Joe. I'm guessing a gold plated camper van. No, the Sayward Mobile. I'm driving around in a Toyota Prius with two hundred and sixty eight thousand kilometers on the clock, and still going strong, by the way. So, so I take it you're not a massive petrol head, then, Joe. Well, I just it's what I can afford. In fact, I won it in a competition. Did you know that? Uh, what competition is that that gives away Priuses? That's amazing. Toyota Motorsport competition for Formula One journalists only. And it happened to just go to the great Joe Sayward. I smell a bung. I smell a bung, Joe. 
No, no, no. I just answered the questions correctly and nobody else did. Or I think three people did, but mine were better or something. I don't know. Oh, is it like send in like a written paragraph of why you love Priuses? That's not fair. No, no, no. It was it was a it was an event, an evening event, and there was a list of six questions that I rushed in because I was busy. I ticked a few boxes without really thinking about it. I went once around the room, shaking hands and going, uh, "Have a nice day," and then left. And then about an hour later, my phone started going crazy um, because I'd won a Prius. Well, it's a hybrid, so it's basically an F1 car, Joe, and I have to give credit to uh, Bruce Wayne. It's, in the it's chat. not quite an F1 car, but it's um, it's a very it's a very good car, and I'm not I'm not you know saying that because I want it. I'm saying it because I like it. So you know, it, I, it's admittedly it's not for the hairy chested, gold medal encrusted uh, motor racing types. You know, it's a bit girly for that, but I don't care. Hey, Joe, I took some of your advice, by the way, just so you know that I do like actually listen to you. Uh, you told me that to be an international icon, I was going to have to leave the shed. So I'm hoping you're going to be proud of me. I've, I've commentated on uh, the British Rental Car Championships, Daytona D-Max, the Daytona 24 Hour. And now I'm going to be doing this podcast live. I just want your approval, Joe. I'm joyously approving. Sounded a bit patronising. Did it? Oh, okay, hang on. I haven't got any medals. Around. Do I have any medals? Oh, I might have a medal. All right, then. Do you know what, do you know what I'll take? Do you know somewhere. what I'd take as a consolation prize instead of your approval? How about a signed copy of your new fascinating F1 Facts books? I don't know about the signed business. That's basically awfully complicated because I have to sign it and then send it. You see, otherwise I can just send it, you know. Yeah, but it's all personal, Joe, isn't it? Look, and, and also I'll know that like your fingerprints are on there somewhere. Yeah, but they don't. Well, never mind. I'm not sending them out. You know, I'm, I've got I've got people what do that. No, I mean, I've you've got time. You've got minions, and while we're talking, of minions, well, I haven't got minions. I've got people I pay to do it. You know. <laughs> uh, well, I'll, that just reminds me to give a quick shout out to video editor Steve Amy, who has woken up at four o'clock in the morning in Australia to live switch and handle this live stream. So, uh, good day there, Steve in Australia. Everybody, give him a big shout out and uh, convince him to go on Twitter so we can thank him properly. He sorts out all the video work and does the post production for those fine YouTube videos. If you want to join our live stream, search for Missed Apex Podcast on youtube joe where should i search to get these books because um all winter every single day you are putting out fascinating f1 facts now have you been super sneaky and made sure to delete all those blog posts so that people will just go and buy the book now they've heard of it no i haven't deleted them at all but i put them in book form so they can actually do it without turning on a computer you see so there were these things a long time ago made from old trees called books and uh, they're jolly nice things. You sit in a chair and you read them, and they don't make your eyes go funny. Um, and you get into this sort of woolly world of happiness. And uh, I'm sure the younger generations will eventually discover the book. Um, but I do hope so, because otherwise they'll just be really ignorant. <laughs> I, I tell you where, where I, I still read books, um, because since Netflix came along, my book reading has taken a big hit. But when you go on holiday and you're sat on your sun lounger, and you just want to kind of, you want something to just relax you for like five, ten minutes at a time before you do your sun god impressions and just pass back out again. So this is the kind of thing that seems ideal for that with holiday season coming up. Fascinating fact, read ten minutes of it, then go get golden brown. Well, they are they are bite-sized pieces, so you can, they're about, they're about 800 to 1,000 words each, so depending on how fast you read, um, you Slow. can do them, well... What can I say? You can um, <laughs> you can do them quite quickly. Look, I will give you an example. You see, it is. I'm sure I've got one. There we are. There is a typical length. 
Can you see that? Yes, form I can. Of... Obviously, the audio listeners can't. So it's about two pages. Have you, uh, have you not got an excerpt that you can thrill us with? No. Like, what's your favourite fascinating fact? My favourite fascinating fact is all about... Actually, my favourite one, I think, last year was about the town of Viry Chatillon, which was created fundamentally and made famous by aeroplane engines, um, which then destroyed the fame because uh, the engines got so powerful that they couldn't use the aerodrome anymore. And then it got famous a second time because of engines again when Formula One Renault team moved in there. So it's a rather sweet kind of uh, point and counterpoint story of uh, of heroes of different generations going back to the very 100 years ago when they were first starting out with aeroplanes and how engines made, broke and made the city. Fascinating. I, I can't wait to learn more. Well, that's and th- why thankfully, it's I... fascinating facts, you see, because they are fascinating. And thankfully, I can learn more by buying that book. And where do I do that? Because I'm imagining that these are going to fly off the shelf, Joe. So where can people go? Now you're going to ask me a difficult question because I've only just sort of worked it all out. But it is called flatoutpublishing.com. Um, it's up and running. And you can buy as many copies as you like. You get there are two volumes of this book, not just the one. So and you get a cheap deal if you buy them both. So um, if you go along there, uh, you can be um, they can be on their way to you soon. It should take depending where you live. It'll take you know a few days, but uh, so that's, don't worry. That's flatoutpublishing.com. And if you go to the social media site of that, Joe acknowledges us. We're there. My face is on. Your book's website. Can't believe it. I've got my eyes closed in it, though. Well, it's actually a website covering lots of my bits and bobs, but um, mainly it's there for selling books. And incidentally, if you're into the book buying mode, you can buy the whole lot because my other books are there, too. So there you go. Fantastic. All right. It's all, it all helps to pay for my, my busy social scheme. Poor Joe. Poor what Joe. Help, help out poor Joe. I do need helping, actually, so get on with it. Yeah. All right, let's just quickly cover a little bit of Baku because you and I have not spoken since that race. But Joe, um, there's you know there's now been three newer tracks that have delivered three absolute stonkers. You might not say the racing was incredible at Baku, but they did have this glorious long straight where they had a chance to slipstream down into turn one. Um, but it's thrilling. That's great for F1 to have suddenly had you know, three races out of nowhere, when everyone was panicking and scrambling around for rule changes, which we'll get to, uh, to, but to have those three benchmark shows and those three great bits of entertainment, is there a sense within F1 of like, hang on a minute, maybe we shouldn't panic just yet? I don't think there's, it's the same every year, you know, there's a couple of bad races. Uh, Barcelona may not be very good because overtaking in Barcelona has never been very good. So um, we may have to wait and see then. And of course, Monaco, it's, you know, forget it. Um, yeah. it will be, it'll be down to the qualifying session there. Um, unless somebody makes a mistake, which oddly enough, they have done quite a lot in recent years. So, um, you know, it, there are, there are sort of waves of news about Formula One that you, know, you have two dull races and suddenly is this the end of civilization as we know it story start? Cause you know, a lot of these, website writing types have got nothing else to write about so they just sit around and dream up rubbish okay. a bit a bit like a bit like the daniel ricardo rumors go and ask daniel ricardo what's happening and he says well i haven't actually spoken to ferrari so you know, all these stories about having signed pre-contracts and the rest of it it's just all a lot of old rubbish really do you think that is rubbish because on twitter 
where people can follow me at Spanners Ready and you at Joe Sayward. Matthew Cotterell specifically was asking you about the driver market. So since you've drifted into that, um, we may as well touch on it. How? Okay, so we're saying it, it can't just be all um, these bottom feeders, as you might call them, or something ruder, as Will Buxton might call them, just making up stories for the sake of it. Or is it that there's one central rumour and that's being lazily repeated? Daniel Ricciardo, though, is clearly the hot property for next season. A lot of teams are going to be watching him, surely. Well, I suppose that's true. But having said that, do not forget. I mean, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. But actually, on the market for next year is one L. Hamilton as well. He hasn't signed a contract yet. So I'd say if there was a hot property on the market, it's probably Lewis Hamilton rather than Daniel Ricciardo. However, um, Valtteri Bottas is also on the market for next year, remember? so. You know, and Kimi Raikkonen's on the market for next year. Not that he's necessarily a, anything more than a lukewarm. Um, I was going to say, uh, Bottas is going to make a midfield team very happy. But yeah, so, but, so, what insight do you have then? Basically, three of three of the four top drives are available for next year. The only bloke who's got a contract is actually um, Sebastian Vettel. Yeah, that's interesting. Then, so we, you'd have to think that Bottas is the most vulnerable out of those three Why? that we've mentioned. Uh, well, because he uh, underwhelmed he, last season. Baku, Baku was his race. He it lost it was. from a puncture. It was unfortunate. He was unlucky. So, you know, um, is he so bad? No, he's not bad. I think he's doing a terrific job. And then, anyway, all these rumours, Daniel Ricciardo is going to leap in and join Mercedes-Benz. Why have Mercedes-Benz spent all this money developing young drivers? Why would they do that? Well, that's they've, a good got, they've got Esteban Ocon, they've got George Russell. Okay, then neither one necessarily ready to leap in to the top job. But why would you take on Daniel Ricciardo? He's a Red Bull driver. <laughs> Christopher Fonseca in the chat room. I just had to interrupt because he made me laugh. Joe, what's the battery life of your books? I think he battery. might be a millennial. Ah, <laughs> uh, one of that lot. Well, um, I is there, don't know. Is there just... no ebook version then, Joe? No, there isn't. What about an audio book? Fascinating cool. facts by Joe Saywood. Yeah, I mean it's it's great. Have you ever priced any uh, uh, an audio book? One or two, Joe. Yeah, have you? Mm, they cost a fortune. Maybe you can get some spunky young voice actor to do it on risk. Oh well, maybe I can if you're available. I'm sure we can arrange something. But nice one, chat know, room. <laughs> the, the fact is that uh, I did have a pricing of it, and there's no way it was going to make any money. So. Yeah, no, no that, that was a couple of years ago. Understood. Let's let's take that offline. I can't line. necessarily do it myself. Although I, of course, have have you know because after a while you sound a bit droney unless you're madly hysterical all the time. Unless you're an excited Wally. Uh, so just going back to those contracts again. Uh, so Ricciardo, you think is telling the truth when he says I've only spoken to Red Bull? Yeah, he's generally a fairly honest sort of bloke, and uh, I don't see why necessarily he would want to go anywhere else at the moment it depends a little bit there's a couple of things going on first of all we don't know what engine red bull will look you use next year don't we no we don't they're oh. out of contract so um now they can have renault or they can have honda probably we had matthew carter on here and obviously he maybe he hasn't got the current insight you've got but when we said do you think red bull will have honda he just instantly said yes and then just stared down the Skype camera. He was he seemed very confident. Is is that a general feeling in the paddock? No. No? But it is cheap. And it is also it's a risk worth taking because um you, we've got two years left in the current formula and Honda could one day get it right. And when they do, the team that is with them 
their number one will be the one that benefits because they don't have their own factory team, whereas Renault has a factory team. And if the Renault factory team gets better, they will inevitably um, replace Red Bull as the number one Renault team. Um, McLaren is also there. So it is kind of logical to move to another manufacturer. They want to go with Aston Martin in 2021, but that depends on the rule discussions going on. So if they're going to jump to Honda, now is the time to do it. You've got to jump for a two-year period. There's no point in jumping for one year. So if you jump now, you've got 19 and 20, and then Honda will stay on in 21. Um, and you've got the opportunity there to use Honda's supposed technical and technological genius, uh, which has been a bit lacking in evidence of late. But, um, you know. Well, they've got a lot of potential to unlock. Yes, they do. Yes, they do. And and rule number one is never, ever, ever underestimate an injured Japanese person because the loss, the loss of face of what they've been going through motivates them enormously to be successful. Um, and it is a, it, it's a very key part of, of the national mentality over there. And people who don't deal with Japanese people don't necessarily understand that. Um, but I work with the Japanese for more than 20 years, and I fully understand that if things go wrong, they get more dangerous. So you're, you're backing Honda. I mean, that's interesting. But I think it's easy to leap over the fact that they came in late into a hybrid era and struggled to catch up. And then it's, there's like a compound penalty for that for the first few years. So it's easy to just jump all over it. No, it's a little bit more than that. Um, there, is a, there is a mentality problem at Honda at the moment. And, and, and the, the chairman has said as much. You know, they need to get back to the days of being... Um, adventurous and innovative, and uh, you know they went. They've been through the last few years. They haven't been. So uh, he's working very hard to get them to change that corporate mentality. And I think that um, that's one of the reasons that the F1 hasn't worked since basically since the nineties. Uh, so European there in the chat room has said Renault have and have given until the end of the month for an answer by Red Bull, which is already a two-week extension. So we're already at that decision point. Does that mean that's when we'll find out or that's when they'll no, find out? No, no, no. I mean, there is, a, there is a nebulous and nominal date of the 15th when they're supposed to say things. They can't say things because we don't know what the rules are going to be. So, you know, uh, how can we really seriously expect anyone to make a decision and the FIA understands this you have to wait until you find out what any because bear in mind we got 2021 coming and the existing manufacturers want to have some kind of a deal whereby they don't find themselves having to develop existing engines and a new engine as well which would put them at a disadvantage so they're looking for some kind of a engine freeze situation in either 19 or 19 and 20, or just 20, whatever. But So we don't even know if that's going to happen. So it's very hard for a decision to be made just yet. So I wouldn't expect them to make a decision for quite a long time yet. Yeah, and uh, as Craig Alderson is putting in there, surely Honda might demand Red Bull would stick with them beyond that period, as in, you know, don't use us as a tick over until you meet the real engine of your dreams. Uh, and also suggesting that uh, they only briefly did a good job in the 80s by taking instruction from Gordon Murray. My engine history isn't that good, Joe, so I can't fully put that comment in context. 
I wouldn't I wouldn't put that comment in any kind of context. It, uh, Gordon Murray is a chassis engineer and always has been. Um, Shut up, Craig. Love I you, Craig, by the way. Come work for us. <laughs> there were a very, very spectacular bunch of engineers at Honda in the 80s who produced amazing stuff. And when they stopped racing, they did amazing stuff in the industry as well. The problem is that we don't have enough of them, uh, these bright young things anymore. And that's what Honda has been suffering from. In addition to being late, in addition to getting into a fairly big old mess by promising the world to McLaren and not delivering. And, um, you know, we just have to give them time to see how they can do. And But this is why I'm saying, you know, when you failed this badly, as they have very publicly, um, there is a huge motivation to be successful. Now, I don't think there are any position to dictate the rules to Red Bull. I think Red Bull will do what it wants to do. It wants to go with Aston Martin. But ultimately what it wants is to have its control of its own engine supply. And that's the important bit. It doesn't want a manufacturer who will start its own team. So, I mean, if you look back and you put it into the, into the, uh, the context of history, Red Bull's success came in 2014, 13, I go for how many years was it? It was, uh, 11, 12, 13. No, it wasn't. It was 10, 11, 12, 13, four consecutive championships. They came about because the Renault factory team had committed suicide by pulling off that scam at Singapore and having to leave. So the team folded up, got turned into Lotus, and despite the best efforts of Matthew, went down the plug. And um, that meant they were very lucky to become a sort of quasi-factory team at a time when there wasn't a Renault factory team. Eventually, Renault figured out that we're not getting any coverage and we're spending loads of money, so we need to come back again after the sort of period in which the pain had been taken and they'd, you know, everyone had sort of vaguely forgotten about Flavio Briatore and Fernando Alonso and Singapore and Nelson Piquet Jr. Um, and so really, they need to have another situation like that where they become the um, the factory team uh, for somebody and they need to be the only factory team because since then of course since they've been a customer of Renault um, with a Renault team they haven't done as well oh that's true <laughs> and uh, and it was it was a little bit jarring to kind of see the Renault suddenly powering past the struggling Red Bulls in the early phase of the Baku Grand Prix. Obviously, the Red Bulls were struggling, kind of warming up those super softs. But it was ominous, wasn't it? Seeing Sainz and Hulkenberg cut past the Red Bulls, you're kind of thinking, uh-oh, is this like a shades of future past? Well, it is inevitable because a factory team will design the engine to go with the chassis. Now, they will design things together, those two parties, that the customer just has to take what they're given. And, you know, they can't allow for, let's design something for Red Bull and we'll just make it work with us as well because the aero concepts and all the rest of it will be different. So there is this there is this inevitability about being a customer team that means you shouldn't be challenging the factory team. Now, they are at the moment for a variety of reasons, but I think it's time to look elsewhere. And if they can do Aston Martin, they go down that route because it's a great brand. Uh, but Aston's got a lot of questions they need to answer. Um, and I think the idea of working together to have a sort of communal engine doesn't seem to be getting anywhere at the moment. It might revive again when we know the rules for 2021, which should be at the end of May. 
But um, until we know those, there won't be any decisions made in that respect. So I think at the moment we're in a sort of time of flux, and I don't expect any very fast decisions on engines at all. Cool. Thank you very much. That was, uh, and, and that impacts upon the driver market because the drivers are not going to make decisions until they know what engines are going where. Okay, but that's not going to be affecting Lewis Hamilton's decision. I mean, we're no. getting into mid-season now. So why on earth isn't Lewis Hamilton committing to the best team currently in Formula One's very recent history? Surely he's not considering a leap to Ferrari and waiting to see if Ferrari are going to somehow be the top team this season and next season. Because it's between those two, really, at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, but it's. Uh, I think it's all irrelevant, to be honest. I think Lewis and Mercedes have a deal. They just haven't dotted the I's and crossed the T's, you know. People in Formula One lead busy lives and having time to sit down and discuss the finer points of a contract um, is not something that's necessarily very easy to do in the mid-season because you're traveling, you're, you're working on the car, you're developing, you're doing all kinds of stuff. So, you know, very often people think that we just sort of swan around the world and do nothing. That is you know, what I think. Yeah, well, that that's possibly why you're wrong. But, you know, it is it's not how it is it's very hard work being in formula one and actually sitting down you know getting time to talk to someone like toto wolf is quite hard you know there's a lot of it's very difficult to access him because he's got a million things he's trying to do and lewis hamilton's even worse do you do you ever get a chance to sit down with toto wolf like ever yes yeah i do from time to time like i think we, we almost always talk every weekend but um, some weekends are busier than others, but you know, usually we just you know, at some point we touch base. Anything I need to know about, da -da 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 -da, boom. That's nice. We were talking. Or I to, ask him questions. We were talking know, to Matthew Carter of who was your ideal kind of team boss pub meetup, and Toto will featured heavily on that. You do just get the impression from TV that you would definitely want him to be your mate slash uncle. Yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a he's a great bloke. Um, he's very funny because we. We have taught him a few bad habits um, along the way, which is, you know, actually Susie wasn't too impressed when we when we explained to him that if you want to be liked in England, you have to insult people. Um, That's right, isn't it? You flat-headed idiot. Uh, you know, I said, you know, I said if you're an Austrian running an English <laughs> team, there's a couple of things you need to know. One is be rude to people and they'll like you. And so he goes around being rude to everybody now. And, you know, that's um, unfortunate. He's particularly rude to me, I have to say. But I'm very rude back to him, so it's all right. Ah, oh, to be a fly on the wall, Joe. Come on, what's your best Toto insult? <laughs> I couldn't possibly say that on a family show, but he has been known to come up and pinch my bottom on the grid sometimes. And wow, he's, I, not, he's not made of wood, is he, Joe? He's only human. <laughs> he's only flesh and blood. Uh, no, no, but it's it's sort of, these are the things. I'm, I'm always sort of knocking around trying to disrupt him when he's doing TV interviews. I sort of going, <laughs> and stuff like that, you know, just having, it's just fun. Good. Really. Um, and it's nice to have fun like that because, you know, there've been a few team bosses in recent years who you couldn't have fun with, you know, even if you poured enough alcohol down their neck. Speaking of Ferrari. <laughs> no, no, no. I disagree with that because Stefano Domenicali is a super bloke. Yeah, but that was years and years ago now, Joe. <laughs> it's not years and years. It's, it's a couple of um, Mattiacci. I can't remember his first name now. Bless him. Marco Mattiacci was a good fellow too. Nice chap. Um, and quite clever too, but unfortunately he was in the wrong place at the wrong time and got mown down in the crossfire. So um, it's, you know, most of them are decent human beings. Some of them are a bit up themselves, but, you know, what can you do? 
Uh, you can name them all on Mr. Apex Podcast. No, it's okay. I wouldn't <laughs> ask you to speak ill uh, of the team principles at all. But it is fascinating to think, you know, you're you're sat here talking to me and then uh, it was late last season, suddenly Ted Kravitz is popping around. He sees you talking to someone and he's in your face. And I'm like, I also speak to that person. So that's quite cool. Uh, but just to think you're sort of bumbling around I, I talking to I these guys. I think I was complaining to Ted because he was busy at one point. He I was, was having a long chat with Chase Carey and he was he was busy trying to find out what I'd been talking about um, and filming it, you know, from a distance. He couldn't <laughs> hear anything because there was glass between us. But uh, um, Ted does get a little bit in your face with the camera sometimes. I suppose that's t- his job to a certain extent. Up to a point, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, some people love Ted. Uh, some people do, don't they? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I like Ted. I think, I, I mean, I can't say I sit there and watch all his shows. Um, and every so often I'll go past him in the paddock and he'll just be mumbling away to himself live on air, I think, um, <laughs> just sort of talking to himself and wandering along. And it's kind of bizarre. It's like, you know, it's, it's like, um, uh, <laughs> if you're walking around, you, you know, it's like a mad person walking on the streets, talking to themselves, someone on a mobile phone these days. I mean, everyone does it apparently, but in the old days, if somebody's walking down the road, talking to themselves, you sort of crossed the street and went the other way, didn't you? I, I do like to think that Ted Kravitz is just like that all the time, wandering around, commenting and, and making comments on things. And also, like, when you leave here, I'll sometimes I'll hang around and I'll just chat and answer some questions in the live stream for half an hour. And I do kind of go, hang on a minute. Is there, is there definitely a live stream? I'm not just, like, climbing into my shed and talking to myself, am I? That's an interesting argument, isn't it? How long <laughs> have you felt like this? <laughs> it's, <laughs> I'm just trying to seek the approval of my dad through talking in the shed to random spirits. But uh, yeah, oh, no, Lord. that's a fascinating oh, Lord, insight. It's, it's Top Gun in the shed, eh? Top Gun in the <laughs> shed. Uh, everyone go and watch Top Gun, including you, Hannah, if you're, if you're there. Uh, right. Okay. So we were talking about uh, Lewis oh, bring Hamilton's, it back again into this. <laughs> Lewis Hamilton's contract. Uh, but so we've, we've settled on that. Um, uh, we think that it's a case of just negotiating the I would say money. It's no, got to be a final it's figure. Not hasn't even it? Negotiating. I think they've done all of that. I think it's just a matter of of doing the paperwork because these things are big contracts. You know, they need to make sure everything's in place and blah blah blah. So I would expect it to be announced either this week, next week, Monaco, whatever. At some point soon, it's going to be announced, isn't it? I think it will be a multi-year contract. There may have been some discussion about how many years it was going to be for, um, but I think Mercedes want to have that level of security to know that they've got their number one star a uh, question from lord nuka does sky have an e- exclusive deal to get all that paddock access because we've got will buxton I, I, in there now I, as well I, I, don't, we? I don't understand why sky gets as much access as it does because when you actually look at the numbers they have it's pretty poor um and Is it? Oh, yeah. In terms of big numbers, um, television numbers, everyone assumes because they do a lot of shows that they have big numbers, but their their subscriber base is, is actually relatively small. Um, and compared to some of the national newspapers, for example, they're not even in the same league. So, you know, there are there's a lot of people who think, well, why on earth does Sky get all this access? And the answer is because everyone's in love with television because nobody's capable of reading anymore, apparently. Um, you have to have moving images to understand what's going on. Um, or just really big font, like really big font. Well, really big fonts. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, Don't start me on the subject because I'm, I'm less than, um, I'm less than complimentary about it because I, I just find the, the inability for people to take information unless it's in pictorial form will ultimately lead to absolute disaster. 
Yes, oh, well, we need to all know, go and watch, watch the film Idiocracy, then, in that case. Um, I have no idea what that is, but I'm sure that sounds about right. Well, our smart folk aren't breeding enough, basically. There yeah, that go. sounds about right, too. Hey, I've, I've, I've chucked in two into the gene pool. What more can I do? Well, I, I've, I did one who's now 25, so he should be doing some himself soon. Good. Right. So we've quickly and smoothly gone on to the F1 TV stuff there when we talked about media access, because just to go round the houses a little bit before we get to F1 TV, which everyone's dying for, um, Will Buxton uh, has been working for Formula One, and Formula One is now run by Liberty Media, who understand a little bit more about putting out content. To be fair, they're doing a pretty amazing job. You can see them slowly just taking over and clawing back some of that media space and we're kind of seeing it i think we speculated at the beginning of the season but now we're seeing it happen in front of our eyes it feels like every week there's a little bit there's more and more we had will brings you inside the paddock uh will does um the the walk and talk as the drivers arrive at the track now will's doing uh, a pre-show on the twitter with nico rosberg and stuff there we're seeing them claw back that territory from the broadcasters but there's one thing wrong with this theory, and that is they're not media. They're a propaganda department. Media is independent. Media has a voice. Media can criticize. I think that if Will Buxton started criticizing his his uh, bosses, he might not last very long in the job. So you know, there I is a big, there's that, a big yeah. difference. So there is a room. Uh, it, it, you know, there, it's a bit like big media outlets getting too close to some of the teams or owning shares in uh, in the racing series, for example, which Motorsport Network own the shares in Formula E, which I'm sorry, but as far as I'm concerned, that smacks of a massive conflict of interest. And I don't really understand how they get away with that. Um, but, you know, media has to be independent to have a voice. Otherwise, why would you believe it? It's just propaganda. And, uh, yeah, the chat room's actually agreeing with you quite a lot here, Joe. Hardly surprising. Uh, these people love you. They love Inside F1 with Joe Saywood. Uh, does Joe believe Buxton has complete editorial freedom like he has stated, says uh, Um I haven't caught Will Buxton saying that, but they, they sure... Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome. Like, what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. They aren't going to let him fully off the leash to do what no. he wants. No, 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 no. I mean, let's get serious here. I used to work for Bernie Eccleston's Formula One magazine, and he said the same thing to me. And about a month later, that was the <laughs> end of that, because I said things he didn't like, and he didn't like it. So, you know, there, one has to be, if one is employed by somebody, you have to do what they say. Uh, what is that expression? He who pays the ferryman calls the tune or something? Or I don't know, whatever it is. Sounds like uh, a good expression. Well, I've never I, heard it. Actually, he, he who calls the, he pays the ferryman actually calls the destination, I think. But there is one about he who plays, pays the fiddler perhaps calls the tune. Um, and that's exactly what it is. That's a reality. And that's why media is important because media is independent in theory. Exactly. Korku um, is saying sometimes you need to criticize something to make it better. And actually you just need to criticize yes, things sometimes when there's something wrong just to maintain your integrity because if there's something blatantly wrong and you're trying to brush over it i mean we're on to you we're, we're smart enough as viewers to know when you're glossing over something some of you are i mean yeah not me to be fair <laughs> but okay that's fine no no um, i didn't say that but it, it you know you imply it heavily all the time no, honestly i didn't, I didn't imply you that look at, at me was... like you would look at a small mossy rock trying to give an opinion no i don't <laughs> I mean, small rossy rocks. I don't. I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> a, ro- a rolling stone gathers no moss. Is all I can say. You're failing on the sayings today. You're, you're failing, but maybe you won't fail on the 2019 regulations, which we kind of alluded to at the beginning of this episode. We're talking about this knee-jerk panic reaction, but it looks like they're now going with this new set of regulations. So I've got a, a couple of quick points on that, which is a. I was surprised that actually something was happened. Uh, and and actioned so quickly and decisively that's got to be down to Ross Braun uh, secondly do we actually need it now uh, and what now we've seen that the new tracks can deliver great races and C uh, I've forgotten that point I'm just going to stop talking <clears throat> okay well uh, I think a number of the teams were against it but before May the 1st they were able to get it through on a majority vote so that was a big push uh, to get it through the World Council. And um, and basically, they got the teams got voted down on the basis that there is a fear that we can have more races like we saw in Melbourne, where there was no overtaking at all. Um, there was some strategy going on, but uh, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't your crash bang wallop kind of thing that lots of people who can't read more than one chapter at a time um, seem to like. So, you know, we do have to take into account this kind of stuff. Um, They want Baku every week, those people. Yeah, they do want Baku every week. And fair enough, in in a way. But it is, you know, there is a balance that has to be struck between. And this is something part of what Ferrari was saying is that, you know, you've got to just be a little bit careful that you don't have bumper cars. Um, You've got to keep the traditions of the sport. And I agree with that in a broad sense. Um, but I do think also we have to be aware of the fact that you've got to go with the times, which is why we have to move into cities because nobody's going to go into the countryside anymore, apart from the 90,000 nutters who always go to Silverstone. 
Um, you know, but if you go to, you know, they can't fill Hockenheim. They can't fill without Verstappen fans. They wouldn't fill Spa. Spa would be out of business if it wasn't for Verstappen. Austria really struggles to get a crowd. It's two hours from Austria, uh, from Vienna. It's a long way in the middle of nowhere. So they struggle. And, and you know, anywhere that's out in the middle of nowhere is struggling to get people in. It's just an inevitability because there are so many other leisure options and there are so many uh, what you call virtual options, I suppose. So whenever I ask people what they want to ask you, Joe, when I say, what should I speak to Joe Sayward about today and give people a say, um, they are always asking about these new tracks because mm-hmm. you, you get to hear the gossip and you get to hear the whispers. Of course, this week we had a bit of a, a leak. We had a very kind of badly illustrated track going around Miami and it's got everybody talking and chatting. So you're saying we need to bring it into the streets. Well, Miami has been brought into the streets. It's going over bridges. Lewis Hamilton's gone on Instagram and gone, nah, mate, I'd do a better job of that. Now, firstly, is that the actual track layout that is being proposed or is this a leak of, you know, just somebody's first rough idea? No, 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 no. This is, this is, it was tweeted by one of the commission members commission the city commission um there are six of them and he was quite open about it. his name is ken russell and he put this is a map that he got in the dossier uh for the race that they're going to discuss i believe at the end of this week uh it'll get through the the first vote anyway because there's a majority in favor of doing it but that's not the, the important point the important point is when it comes back and they've got a deal with formula one they have to get 80 percent vote so in other words, they have to get five of the six commissioners agree to do it. So that will be interesting. From a Formula One viewpoint, there's one thing you didn't mention, which is the railway track, which goes across twice. It's going to be quite of- hard to time your lap times and your practice laps around trains going across the track. No, there won't be trains going across it. But nonetheless, Formula One, modern Formula One cars don't like railway tracks. Right. Um, yeah, that they, makes more they, sense. they sort of jump into the air and there's no way that that railway track is going to get concreted over or covered up because it serves the entire port of Miami. It's a bit bizarre that these trains would come out into the middle of town, but that's what happens. Um, and so they're going to have to live with it. And now if Lewis Hamilton could design a better track, well, what do you do? Good for him. But the point is he probably wouldn't be looking at it with all the things that were required Um that that made them choose the routings they chose. They need to have, for example, infrastructure. They can't just build um, a press office in the middle of Biscayne Boulevard. So you need the arena to be involved because that's got all these things inside it. You've got offices, you've got race control can be there. You can have a lot of good stuff in there, VIP hospitality. I'm nodding as if I know Miami. You know, I, I really am more of a Benidorm well, kind of I, fella. I'm, I've learned Miami from from looking at it on Google Earth and working out what's going to go where. And I wasn't very far, to be honest, I wasn't very far off when I sat there trying to work out where the track could and would go. Um, it wasn't it wasn't rocket science to figure it out um, because you can't use the the tunnel. There's a tunnel that goes from the port to another island to the north. You can't use that because that would block the whole port. The port is the most expensive, most expensive. It is the most important economic driver in South Florida. It's worth a squillion dollars a year. It's not a number, Joe. Okay, 44 billion. That's a a number. 44.3 billion actually a year to Southern Florida. So you ain't going to shut that down. It's also the world's biggest cruise ship port. And there's a huge 
number, which is, I believe, 5.7 million people cruised in and out of Miami last year. So there are all these kind of things that have to be taken into consideration. Um, and we'll see what happens. I hope it happens because it looks fun. And I think the circuit looks actually quite quite good. Um, you know, you're going up and over the top of this bridge. It's going to be a bit like Baku. And you go screaming down into this hairpin. And you come back the other way and you scream down to another hairpin. Now, if they can't get overtaking in those two circumstances, <laughs> the other thing is, by the way, you are 65 feet in the air while you're doing this. Um, that is a very high bridge. It's not sort of you know, water level. It climbs up, goes up over the top and down the other side. Um, so there can't be any spectators up there um, unless you can build grandstands that hang off the bridge. And I don't think that's possible yet. Um, and I think that, you know, when you well, give it a chance to happen, I think what you'll get is some terrific views. And that's what they want, you know. And the other thing to bear in mind is that there's a man called Stephen Ross who is the promoter or will be the promoter or one of his companies will be the promoter. And Stephen Ross is worth $11 billion. Um, he is the owner of the Miami Dolphins. Um, he is a sports promoter uh, right across uh, southern Miami. He took he took uh, Real Madrid and Barcelona to Miami last year for a football game because guess what? In Florida, football, soccer, as as in soccer, is a big thing because it's – full of Mexicans and Cubans and other Hispanics who are like football. So, um, you know, he, he recognizes the value um, that you can get from sport. And, he, I mean, he does massive. And when I say massive, I mean massive real estate development deals. He's doing one in New York at the moment called the Hudson Yards, which is like building a new town in the middle of New York. Uh, he's got another one being planned in the Bronx, um, and, you know, there's there's a lot of stuff happening. He's a big player. And he bid for Formula One three years ago. He's one of the bidders to buy it. So he's clearly a fan of using the sport for um, commercial means. Is it just something that the Americans seem to inherently understand entertainment a little bit better than we do? Which is I, why, personally, I'm, I'm delighted that Formula One is going more into North America. I think the, the Austin circuit gets it really right. It makes it an entertaining spectacle, like a Super Bowl. Uh, and that's what Liberty said. They wanted a Super Bowl for every race. I, I, I disagree with you on Austin because Austin is basically surviving. It's surviving on putting a rock concert on. And Are you going to be going to that? Because hit me, baby, mm -hmm. one more time. It's Britney Spears this year, according to Ray Thompson in the chat. I really have a lot of time on Saturday and Sunday nights to go listening to Britney Spears. Oh, good Spears. then. I'd assume that you mean that. And uh, I'll see you there. I'll and fly Bruno over. Mars and whoever it was last week, uh, Justin Timberlake and uh, whatever that strange girl is called, the other one, the year before that. Um, can't remember her name. Anyway, whatever. She's it's a, a no, she's isn't it, Joe? A, what? It's a no, isn't it, Joe? <laughs> she was mixed up with one of the Kennedys for a while. You'll figure it out. Um, she's, a, you know, she's a very popular singer. But I, you know, to be honest, it's all a bit girly stuff for me. Anyway, whatever. Um, they're not really promoting racing. They're not promoting Formula One. They're promoting rock concerts to 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 keep the Formula One race alive. And I think they need to have a bit of a rethink about how they do it. Um, but I think having Miami will help them. It will help them to turn the Formula One into the focus as opposed to the, the pop concerts, which are currently the focus. Uh, and Aidan Johnson is helping us out that it's Taylor Swift. Thank you very much. I knew somebody Taylor would be able Swift. to help. I, I, I entirely remembered her name now, but of course, you know, age, <laughs> age and, and alcohol 
deprivation or something, whatever it's called. What do you drink on this show, Joe? That is unbelievable. <laughs> this is coffee as far as you know. Actually, that's a tyre, so not much is going to come a little full. See that? That's a Goodyear tyre. Oh, you have all the best stuff. It, it celebrates the t- it celebrates the 350th Grand Prix win of Goodyear in Spain, 1997. It's a paperweight, actually. I just oh, picked there it up you go. Because it looked like a coffee cup. Well, you since know. you've seamlessly gone over to tyres, Joe, since you've brought it up. Oh, what, Lord. What I, is my tyres are my favourite subject, yes. Yeah, me too. We can uh, totally scoot black, over this if you want. Black, round, rubber things. All right. Well, you can skip past it if you want, but apparently Pirelli are changing their tyres for Barcelona it, just to suit Mercedes. Well, who says that? Ah, people in the chat room. I can ignore them. They're very silly. Go away, well, chat there, room. There are some people in the in chat rooms around the world who are in, incredibly silly. Um, it has to be said. I don't know about your lot, but um, they, they, you know, Pirelli have a contract to supply tires. They're not going to help one or the other. Um, if anybody's going to help, you know, you'd think, oh well, Pirelli, they're Italian, therefore they'll help. Ferrari. Well, they're not Italian, actually. They're Russian and Chinese these days. So, um, you know, it's just silly, all this stuff. These are just big companies doing a job. Uh, Pirelli does a, an interesting job. I'm not sure it's necessarily the right way of doing things, but having tires that uh, degrade um, to order is it's a sort of self-defeating philosophy, really. But they do get talked about a lot. We're talking about them now. So they get coverage. Whereas if you're not doing anything, nobody talks about the tyres unless they fail. See, Trumpets, I'm always telling him, tyres are boring. We're all bored of tyres. We're tired of tyres. So let's move on to Barcelona. So am I going to get F1 TV or what? Can I actually watch it now? Well, as far as I know, you will be able to sign up and watch it. Uh, No, you won't because you're in Britain. Ah, (laughs) However, if you have a VPN... (gasps) <gasps> I, I am absolutely sure they have no way of stopping. I was looking at something the other day and I wanted to look at something. I wanted to see the size of the crowd at Hockenheim for the DTM to see if they've got anyone interested in DTM this year. And if they haven't got a crowd in Hockenheim, God help them, is my theory. So I thought, okay, I'll just go on. There must be something on YouTube. This is last night. So there must be something on YouTube that'll give me an idea of the size of the crowd. You're not allowed to do it in this area. Mm-hmm. Great. Okay. So. I get my VPN out and I go to Germany. No, you can't do it in this area. I go to Britain. You can't do it in this area. I go to Russia. Actually, I can't remember. I can't even remember which one I got it from in the end. But eventually, I found one where yeah, they were showing it on Claire, and you can do it with a VPN. How can they stop you? But they said if you get caught using a VPN, you will be banned. Your account will be blocked forever. Sure, and how are you going to do that? Send out snatch squads? The Formula One snatch club, led by Will Buxton, knocks on your door. You know, you're oh, well, under arrest. You're under arrest it. for using VPN. You know, and, and you know, they've got to get to your machine before you turn it off. You know, it's all very silly, isn't it? I mean, the fact is that it's the future. It's the way to go. And, you know, they're going to have a certain amount of leakage. Um, it's inevitable. And, you know, it will eventually drive the TV companies away. Of course, they could be just making the right noises. And I think, um, I mean, was it Game of Thrones was the most pirated TV show? And the company that makes that, and that's completely uh, uh, 
disappearing out of my head at the moment, they actively talk about the pirated figures that are estimated and they just include that as part of the, this is how many people are watching Game of Thrones. And I think that you accept if you have some spotty teenager who definitely can't afford a subscription and they're pirating, when they turn into a a grown-up in an office job, they're probably going to subscribe to your service because they're going to be fans. So long-term, is it worth beating pirates over the head no most people take the good option um to make sure you've got the right box you've got the good stream but i actually don't know through all the muddle when i get my vpn connected and i can get f1 tv what am i getting then am i am i getting the sky commentators but with a bolted on pre and post show what am i actually going to see on my computer you're going to get multiple channels you're going to get all the in-car cameras which you can choose between (laughs) You're going to have all kinds That's of camera so shots you can't get elsewhere. You've got all kinds of data you can't get elsewhere. Um, I think it's true you will have I, – I, yes, you will have, I believe, the Sky commentary um, to begin with. But it's only a matter of time, really, before they have their own commentators as well. I think it's just a good starting point to use existing ones, you know, because they are spending a lot of money and – as we will see next week too, I think their 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 first quarter results will come out, and I think all the naysayers, of which there are plenty, will say, "Oh no, they're not making any money." It's called investment. They are investing at the moment, and the investment will, they believe, pay off in the long term. If it doesn't pay off in a few years' time, then you can attack them and say they're rubbish. But in the meantime, we have to wait and see. And if if the if the profits come down a little bit. It's not the end of the world. And I think one or two of the team principals are smart enough to have realized that. But, you know, there's an awful lot of media out there who just trotted out. And you'll have a fest of it later on next week saying, oh, look at this. There's, you know, they're not making money. It's a disaster. The share price is going down. It's all doom, gloom, disaster. Just quickly then, talking about uh, the commentary feeds, you obviously are in the media center. Do you pick your own commentary feed or do you just take what's on offer? I don't listen to any commentary. Oh, wow. Okay, so you just are watching the timing screens, talking to people who you can grab. We actually do the best TV show of the lot. We're not allowed to film it. Um, <laughs> we are. It's, it's a bit like um, the Muppet show does Formula One. You have, um, oh, God, I wish my brain worked. The, uh, the old blokes who's sitting in the uh, sitting in the. Oh, theater. yeah, yeah, no, I know. Um, Waldorf and something. Waldorf something. and Statley. There we go. Waldorf and Statley doing Formula One. We look at the screens. We we argue with each other about strategy. And this is you and Peter, is it? No, me and David Tremaine, my oh, right. business yes. partner in Grand Prix Plus. And uh, and uh, between us, we sort of get the race sort of pretty much sorted out. Um, and and I lap chart. And you know, every so often, I'll say things like, um, "There's a change for 16th place." and Tremaine will go, I don't give a toss. Uh, that's not the point. The point is I'm just telling you, you know, um, <laughs> and we'll have conversations like, oh, God, isn't this, this team is just rubbish, isn't it? You know, uh, so um, Bo- I mean, Bob Varsha we're not, was... We were not allowed to film it, of course, because we don't have the right to. Well, well Bob Varsha was um, talking about his co-commentator of 24, 25 years, whose name is escaping me. David sure Hobbs. David Hobbs. And uh, they were saying, never a crossed word in 25 years. Are you that way with David as well? No, no, we have the occasional crossword, but not not many. It has to be said. But you know, it's it's there are there's more to life than these screaming people in in uh, 
commentary boxes. I'm a great. I I actually keep meaning to have a word with uh, with Sean Bratches and say, listen, you want you want to have the Waldorf and Statler commentary as an option, um, you know, and you'd have a lot more fun that way because there's bound to be a viewer somewhere who likes it. Listeners, know. just so you know, there's not a week that goes by where I don't find some angle where Joe will let me go along with them with a microphone so you can have some spanners cast of this amazing, incredible scene, even if for a documentary of your life in the future. Oh, God. <laughs> a documentary of my life. Yep, yep, yep. I'm sorry, but in a world where people can't take in more than three paragraphs at the same time, it's not going to last very long, is it? So You've become anyway, very whatever. cynical, Joe. I am very cynical, unfortunately. Um, but I'm I'm sort of appalled by the lack of reading going on. And also the fact that, you know, certain politicians can get elected. You know, I just find it astonishing. Anyway, enough of that. Let's not get into politics, shall we? Let's go back to motor racing. Is there anything happening? Well, maybe not in F1 this week, but an absolutely <laughs> stonking victory. Triumphant. Five years since his last victory, Fernando Alonso storms to an unlikely and unprecedented and heroic victory in LMP1. Over a second car that was told not to fight in the last hour, yeah. But why? Why the fever? Am I the only one that's sitting here just going, why well, would anyone It's care? like shooting fish in a barrel. It's ridiculous. But Alonso no, can't I feel good about that, surely. Of course he does, because he's won a motor race, and everyone goes, yeah, 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 and it makes him feel good. But the fact is that the World Endurance Championship is a bunch of tosh. It is, it is you know, they even had to put two Le Mans in it in the hope that they'll sort of generate some more manufacturer interest. But, you know... Toyota is racing against itself, and if they don't win Le Mans, I mean, you know, forget forget the problems Honda have had. There's, there's going to be a mass falling on swords because you can't lose Le Mans this many times with no opposition. It's just hopeless, you know. If they get beaten by some sort of Chinese LMP2 team, God help them. Well, it could happen know. on attrition, conceivably, couldn't it? Well, inevitably, it will. I mean, they they even lost it on the last lap not long ago, or the last two laps or the last 10 minutes or something but you know they're basically not very good at it and you know the fact that they're going to win it um in theory uh with no opposition is i just don't understand why they're there why would you turn up because if you if you win it everyone go well they're always going to win it and if you don't win it was they go what you a bunch it. of old yeah. beep you blew it i tell you what i absolutely love our chat room i absolutely love our listeners uh Ray Thompson saying, what would the Sayward uh, documentary be called? Um, Human Shield 777 suggests, cynically speaking. Uh, Christopher Fonseca says, Act 2, how Joe got so cynical. I guess you're wondering how we got here. And then we cut to like a sprightly 17-year-old Joe Sayward with all the hope and optimism in the world. Something like that. No, no, I mean, you get cynical because you deal with people. And and over time, you get, you know, I'm I'm always giving people the benefit of the doubt and and it's to date still i give them the benefit of the doubt and then they screw you and you go okay well what's the point you know so um it is just particularly in formula one it's it's a dog eat dog world so um one tends to be a little bit cynical but generally speaking cynicism when you apply it works out to what the reality becomes yeah, and there's a difference between cynicism and scepticism. And I think you do have a healthy dose of scepticism as well, Joe. Uh, in our Slack group, A healthy Math- dose of anything. I need some penicillin by the sound of it. You're always ill. You never miss anything. But you always seem to come on here. Oh, I'm terribly ill. Like uh, you're, you're- No, I'm not ill. I'm all right. Well, I am vaguely ill, but nothing too serious, you know. You're a hero. This is it. You're like Scotty off of Star Trek. If you don't, uh, if you don't under 
play the problem, uh, then how will anyone think you're a hero? I'll take your word for it. I do remember watching Star Trek in about 1978, but it's been a while. It's got worse. Don't 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 worry. Don't bother. How do you know? Were you around in 1978? I oh, nearly. I was I was there just about for the replays. In, yes, never mind. Let's not go there. I was born um, in 1980, despite these fresh looks, Joe. 1980. My goodness. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, Matt Lyons. My in, my. <laughs> ah, I'm young to you, but I think that says more about you than me. To be fair. Probably. Matt Lyons in our Slack group is asking you uh, basically about Barcelona. But his question is, will the oil burning rule affect the competitive order in Barcelona? But there's more than that. There's a lot of updates coming up in Barcelona. So for the last few minutes of the show, why don't we just have a little think about whether we think the competitive order is going to change, what the competitive order is, and who is going to come in with these updates? Because basically for the beginning part of the season, any team who's not doing well says, yeah, 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 but hang on a minute. We've not brought our updates yet. It's Barcelona. Well, hang on a minute. The first race is in Australia, fellas. Yeah, but some people weren't as well prepared as others. So um, you're entirely right. They should all be ready for Australia, but they're not because some have more money than others and blah, blah, blah. So who will make a big leap forward in Barcelona? Uh, everybody will make a leap forward probably because that's what you do in Formula One. Who will make the biggest leap? I think probably Force India will make a big leap. Yes. I think the McLaren, no, hang on, hang on. Can we, can we, can we, can we stop on Force make... India? Because I've got a big bet on Force India getting a lot better. Uh, what makes you think that Force India are going to make that leap? Because they have clever people. They do, though, don't they? I mean, they, yes. they, they with that low budget, just season after season, they keep performing. Yes, well, every team has clever people. The thing is that the clever people in Force India have to be clever in different ways, which is uh, they can't just spend money on everything. Williams needs some um vision in that respect because they're not doing awfully well at the moment i mean they got a result sauber same thing they got a result largely down to charles i think or charles and force indies were down to perez he's brilliant joe no 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 it wasn't down to perez because if if ocon had actually not been taken out by that lunatic finn at the beginning (laughs) um he would have been there ahead of perez team checo come on Anyway, you were about to talk about McLaren. Can I make a quick prediction? Their updates are not going to match up to the other team's updates, uh, and they are going to continue to not be in the top four or five. Well, if you look at the World Championship, they're doing pretty well off it. Yeah, but Lewis Hamilton's leading the World Championship, and he's not the best team uh, driver team combination this season, is he? Well, if he's leading the World Championship, he is, isn't he? <laughs> so, I guess. you know, when all is said and done, the only thing that matters, the only... The only uh, measure by which you can uh, decide whether someone's doing good or not is what the points they get. So if McLaren is, I think they're ahead of Red Bull at the moment, actually, if I remember correctly, after that carambolage. It's, I looked up the meaning of carambolage the other day. It's really interesting. Did you know? Uh, tell it, tell it, me all of it. We've got time. It, it's French for cannon, as in ah. billiards. Ah, when right. You, yeah. When, when you, you hit both balls hit, and get two hit points. More, yeah, more yeah, balls yeah, yeah. than one. Yeah. Um, that is a carambolage. And that has gone into the language of racing, presumably through some French journalists who play billiards. That's fantastic and completely relevant to what we were talking about. That's great. Absolutely. Well, no, we, we actually hadn't talked about the Red Bull shunt in um, Baku. And I thought, oh, it was my a bit God. Odd. yeah, but you kind of said pre show that you didn't know whose fault it was or that they were no, both no, I, lunatics. I didn't know whose fault it was. It was both their faults. Ah, really? Oh, I don't think Ricciardo's done anything wrong. Like, oh, come on. 
You've got to be it, able to. It was to. both of their faults because they both made mistakes. Otherwise, they would have been punished one or the other because the stewards looked at it and the stewards are a clever lot of people, um, some of them nowadays. There's a modern generation of stewards who are very good. And Tom Christensen was the driver's steward, so, you know, who's won Le Mans nine times, I believe. Um, and it should have been a Formula One driver, but never was. And... Uh, he was there to judge what had happened from a driving point of view. And, and I think his conclusion was that, you know, you can't blame uh, one or the other more than the other. And, and the fact that they both suffered the ultimate penalty, which is losing all the points. Um, so awkward. Yeah. It, well, it's a, just, well, look, just look at Adrian Newey's face to know what he thought of the subject, you know. So it is. Um, Did you manage to get a chat with anyone at Red Bull after that? No, I was far too busy. In the, after a race, you know, getting getting to talk to people if you don't have that as a specific goal um, is a very, very hard thing to do. And the other thing is that the press office is quite often in the paddock, so you can nip out and do stuff. But in, in uh, Baku, it's in the ballroom of the Hilton, and you have to go out of the Hilton, across this, that, and the other, through this, over that, um, to get to the paddock. So... Uh, the other thing is that in a place like Baku, there's a lot of people who leave in a hurry to go to the airport. I don't know why that is, but um, uh, there weren't you know, always people to talk to. But um, at the end of the day, what are they going to say? The other thing is, of course, that everything is now so completely and utterly uh, PR zapped that, you know, I doubt that Dan Rick will come around and say, oh, mate, you know, is that bloody Dutchman? Sorry, that was a bleep. Um, yeah, medium. A medium bleep. It's almost language nowadays, isn't it? And, uh, you know, Max would have said something nasty about the bloke with the kangaroos, you know. So. <laughs> oh, I'm team Danny. I have to say, Joe, I am team Danny on that. Max Verstappen broke the rules. He moved twice. You're not allowed to no, do that. No, he didn't because there are no longer rules about moving twice. Uh, there is, I'm afraid. I looked it up. It's not in the main sporting regulations. Believe it or not, it's in Annex L. What did we say it was? Chapter 5. Uh, paragraph two, subsection B. No, subsection B. It's there. No, it specifically says. I'm going to send you. Have a word. Have in that case. I I suggest you ring up the FIA and say your stewards are talking rubbish. Give me the number, Joe. Give me the number. I will genuinely do it. I'll do it on air because somebody will tell you. Well, actually, Mr. Spanners, your entire first name, but yeah, because they have changed the regulations because otherwise if there had been a two move rule um then he would have been in trouble but there is it's actually related to uh decisions made because of some of the things that max has done in the past and it's even known to some as the verstappen, the verstappen rule that wasn't that moving in the braking zone the verstappen rule correct mm-hmm. okay so i think there's a separate rule about moving twice to defend your position however i'm obviously going to yield to you joe uh definitely not going to push you on that why well, i asked i asked the question to one of the stewards and that was the response i got so i thought to myself boy i must be cleverer next time and actually not ask a silly question <laughs> maybe they haven't read annex l i know i hadn't until we you'd be amazed they read an awful lot i'm sure they do joe and speaking of reading as we exit episode 17 of inside f1 with joe saywood where can people read your books and i'm sure a lot of people are going to want to uh this is going to be essential holiday reading for formula one fans as i said before it's flatoutpublishing.com 
and you can buy it right now. It's two copies, sorry, two volumes, and you get a cheaper rate if you buy both. And oh. if you're interested, by the way, my other books are there too. You can buy them as well just to make me a little bit wealthier. Of course, all the normal stuff, Joe, still well worth getting a GP Plus magazine subscription. Indeed so, yes. And um, those of you who can't cope with uh, paper or you know, destroying trees, this is all entirely non-tree destroying. We have no trees involved. It's in PDF, isn't it, GP Plus magazine? It is, and PDF, as far as I know, doesn't have any wood in it. You can print it off, though. And, and actually will make a real like, you, good magazine. You would have to be a, a real dinosaur to be printing it off, wouldn't you? <laughs> My boss prints everything off. Uh, I do mock him, so I couldn't possibly print off GP Plus magazine. Well, I, it has to be said that a number of senior figures in the world of Grand Prix racing have been known to print all their emails as well as... It's uh, just the saddest thing in the world, isn't it? Well, it's progress, apparently. Joe Saywood, thank you very much for adding class to what we do out of our shed in Mist Apex podcast. We'll hope to see you somewhere on your European leg. Uh, join us for our race review of Barcelona next Sunday, 8pm. We're on British Summertime. That's GMT plus one. Until next time, remember that wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe Saywood, who's on the telly sometimes. Fascinating F1 Facts, Volume 1 and 2. That's the sound of Joe putting it down on his desk. I did love how earlier you were thumping your desk passionately with each point. And I was like, ah, well, that's going to be a fair edit. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less in similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.